Hello, welcome to Tarot Closet Reflections, where we discuss tarot and spirituality for the low-key and undercover. I am your host, Hawthorne. Is it a doorway to the spirit realm? A fascinating family game? Or a glimpse into the unconscious mind? I'm your host, Hawthorne. And today, as a part of our our series called Into the Shadow, we will be discussing the fascinating and mysterious origins of the Ouija board. So, grab you a nice warm autumn drink and let's talk. So, its origins, like with a lot of things, are still shrouded in mystery. But, in 1886, we do know these few things. There was an Associated Press story about the new talking spirit boards taking over northern Ohio. We also know that these talking boards existed in Ohio way before this time. However, a man named Charles Kennard, living in Charleston, Maryland, claimed to invent the board that would become the Ouija board. It was it until February in 1891 when the first advertisements started appearing in the papers. Ouija board, the wonderful talking board, boomed a Pittsburgh town and novelty shop, describing a magical device that could answer questions about the past present and future with marvelous accuracy. It promised never failing amusement and recreation for all. A link between the known and the unknown, the material and the immaterial. So, how did this board get created? As I mentioned, a man named Charles Kennard, living in Charleston, Maryland, is the first one to gain the patent for the Ouija board. He lived near a cabinet maker and coffin maker named E.C. Ritchie and asked him to make a few boards for him. So Ritchie later claims that he came up with the idea too and that Charles Kennard took the idea from him and went on to make a business out of it. So in all reality, we are still unsure of who actually did. However, in the town of Chesterton from 1886 to 1890, it's a huge hit. Then Kennard goes to Baltimore to meet Elijah Bond, a lawyer. Well, it is believed that it was in April when they have a science with Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, whom Bond calls a strong medium. There, they ask the board what it wishes to be called, and it spells out Ouija. 
and when they ask them what it means, the board spells out, good luck. To this day, you can go visit the place where the science still happened. However, it is now a 7-Eleven, 1890. It is kind of strange that how could such a mysterious talking board gain popularity so quickly, especially through advertising in the 19th century. The Ouija board was interesting and mysterious. It had been proven to work at the patent office before its patent was allowed to proceed, and even psychologists today believe that it may offer a link to the known and unknown. So, Elijah files for the patent, and the patent office says you have to prove that it works. A grandson of Helen Peters says his grandmother told his family this story. Bond took Peters to the patent office in Washington, D.C. They show it to the first clerk, who doesn't believe them, and begins laughing hysterically and claiming, I don't want to be a laughingstock. They then get the chief to look at it. And the chief says, if that contraption can spell out my name, then you have your patent. So Peter takes out the Ouija board and it spells out the chief's name. The chief and the clerk are visibly shaken. And then they have spirit communication devices took off during the Civil War. When there was a massive amount of debt and death and even every family had lost a father, a son, a grandfather, a nephew. If victims didn't have an ID, they couldn't return the body to their families for proper burial ceremonies. So these spirit communication devices were used to answer questions that nothing else could. My dad went away to war. Why didn't he come back? Times of economic depression and the wars seem to be when lots of talking boards take off. You wrote a letter, waited for a response, and in the meantime, wanted some way to know if your son or father was okay. For instance, during the Vietnam War, Parker Brothers... So, how did the Ouija board come about... What was going on in that time to make the Ouija board so popular? So, the Ouija board, in fact, came straight out of America's obsession during the 19th century with spiritualism, the belief that the dead were able to communicate with the living, which had been around for years in Europe, and it finally hit America hard in 1848. The Ouija board in 1966, and then in 1967, it outsells Monopoly. That is the only time any game has ever outsold Monopoly. Another thing that contributed to the Ouija board was the prominence of the Fox Sisters of upstate New York. The Foxes claimed to receive messages from spirits who rapped on the walls to answer questions, reciting this feat of channeling in parlors across the state, aided by the stories about about the celebrity sisters and other spiritualists in the 
national press. Spiritualism reached millions of people at its peak in the second half of the 19th century. Spiritualism worked for Americans. It was compatible with Christian dogma, meaning that one could hold a seance on Saturday night, have no qualms about going to church the next day. It was an acceptable and even wholesome activity at the time to contact spirits at seances through automatic writing, turn table turning parties in which participants would place their hands on a small table and watch it begin to shake and rattle as they declared they weren't moving it. Move moving it. The movement also offered solace to many people in that area. When the average lifespan was less than 50 years old, women often died in childbirth, children died of diseases, and men died at war. Even Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of President Lincoln, conducted seances in the White House after their 11-year-old son died of a fever in 1862. During the Civil War, spiritualism gained many followers from people who were desperate to connect with their loved ones who had gone away to war and never returned. It was a dating game at one time. Go figure, guys. The original directions would say that for best results, use with two people, a lady and a gentleman, preferred. That's why men wanted to buy it for a woman. When the Ouija board was initially created, during the Victorian era, it broke a lot of the cultural and socially acceptable rules at that time. At that time, you weren't supposed to be alone with people of the opposite gender, and people weren't supposed to be touching. The Ouija board was built so that you could put it on your knees and your fingers would touch. So this was the ultimate dating game. Could you imagine? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's just take a break right here. But could you imagine, you know, your new boyfriend or whatever bringing over a Ouija, Ouija board and was like, hey, babe, why don't we play this tonight? Like, isn't that kind of weird? I mean, cool, weird, but still weird, right? Also, at that time, it is important to note that the Ouija board at that time and communicating with spirits and the dead wasn't seen as bizarre or weird. It's hard to imagine that now, to be honest, uh, especially when we consider how drastically American views on these things have changed. But nevertheless, opening the gates of hell wasn't on anyone's mind when they started the Kennard Novelty Company, the first producers of the Ouija board. In fact, they were mostly looking at opening Americans' wallets. Truth be told, none of the men who created the board were spiritualists, really, but they were all but all of them were keen businessmen and definitely identified a niche. But as spiritualism had grown in America, so did frustration with how long it took to get any meaningful messages out of the spirits. Calling out the alphabet and waiting for a knock on the right letter, for example, was deeply boring. After all, 
rapid communication with breathing humans at far distance was possible via the telegraph for it had been around for decades now. So why couldn't spirits be easier to reach? People were desperate for methods of communication that would be quicker. While several entrepreneurs realized that and it was a kindred company that nailed it. The Ouija board, where did it get its interesting name? Contrary to popular belief, Ouija is not a combination of the word for yes in French, which is we, and the German ja, which is yes also. For fascination with Egypt was taking over merch, as I mentioned earlier, claimed that the name was spelled out to him by a Ouija board. However, it was later marketed to be an Egyptian word europe and america at that time as well however it wasn't until later that peters acknowledged that she was wearing a locket bearing a picture of a woman named ouija it is very possible and many believe that the woman in the locket was a famous and popular women's right activist Ouija whom Peters admired, and Ouija was just a misspelling of her name. The Ouija board is unique. How could something be so popular for more than 120 years? Its weird success is due to the fact that it has capitalized in a weird place in american culture it was marketed originally as both a mystical oracle and family fun entertainment with an element of an otherworldly experience this meant that not only spiritualists who bought the board could use it but in fact everyday regular people even people who did the ouija board was quite normal in fact it was in May of 1920 when the painter and illustrator Norman Walkwell depicted a man and a woman with a Ouija board on their knees communicating with the most tended to be the spiritual mediums as they found that this took away their job. The Ouija board was appealing to many people from a wide spectrum of ages, professions, and education levels. It was because the Ouija board offered something fun, a fun way for people to believe in something greater than themselves. People want to believe. They need to believe that something else is out there, something more powerful. This is one of those things that allows them to have and hold that belief. So, as I noted, it makes sense why, then, that the Ouija board would find its greatest popularity in some of the most uncertain times in American history, when people hold fast to belief and look for answers from, they look for answers from just about anywhere, especially cheap DIY oracles. The 1910s and 20s with the devastation of World War One and the manic years of the Jazz Age and Prohibition witnessed another surge in Ouija popularity, the beyond. On the cover 
of the Saturday Evening Post. Even during the Great Depression, the Flawed Company opened a few factories to meet the demand for the boards. Over five months in 1994, a single New York department store sold over five over <laughs> sold over 50,000 of them. And also in 1967, years after the Parker Brothers bought the game. And in 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Miss Helen Doe Peck, who left only $1,000 to two former servants from the Flawed Company. It still, as I mentioned, saw continual success. Strange tales of the Ouija board were frequent in American newspapers. In 1920s, the National Wire Service reported that there would be crime solvers using Ouija boards for clues in the mysterious murder of the New York City gambler Joseph Burton Elwood. Oh, well, much to their frustration of the police, however. In 1921, the New York Times reported that a Chicago woman being sent to a psychiatric hospital tried to explain to the doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania, but in fact, Ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. In the 1930s, researchers were thrilled to the accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who murdered another woman, supposedly on the encouragement of Ouija board messages. And in 1941, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that he joined the army because the Ouija board in an insane 152, $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Ford, a lucky but bodiless spirit who'd accounted for her. Even Ouija boards have offered literary inspiration, too. In 1916, Miss Pearl Cran made headlines when she began writing poems and stories. She claimed they were dictated via Ouija board by the spirit of a 17th century Englishwoman named Patience Work. The following year, her friends Emily Grant and Hutchings claimed that her book, Jap Heron, was communicated via Ouija board by the late Samuel Clements, better known as Mark Twain. Cran earned significant success. Hutchings less but neither of them achieved the heights that the Pulitzer Prize-winning poet James Merrill did in 1982 when his epic Ouija-inspired and dictated poem, Changing Light at Sandover, won the National Book Critics Circle Award. Merrill, for his part only, publicly implied that the Ouija board acted more as a magnifier for his own poetic thoughts rather than a hotline to the spirits. It was also in 1979 after he wrote Mirabelle Books of Number, another Ouija board 
creation, he told the New York Review of Books. If the spirits aren't external, how astonishing the mediums become. Ouija continued to exist in the edges of American culture, going through periods of popularity and unpopularity. It was mysterious, interesting, and usually bearing a few cases of supposed Ouija-inspired murders or Ouija-inspired murders, creations, and works of art. That was until 1973. In that year, the exorcist frightened many, many people and forever changed the way Americans viewed the Ouija board. The Exorcist, which came out in 1973, as I mentioned, had a huge impact. Before this movie, earlier movies would simply use the Ouija board as a joke. It would spell out something funny or embarrassing or somewhat naughty. It is actually seen and used in the I Love Lucy episode called The Seance. Then, when The Exorcist was created, it, as I mentioned, drastically changed how Americans viewed the Ouija board. That year, the movie was supposedly based on a true story, and it implied that the 12-year-old girl named Reagan was supposedly possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija board by herself, and it changed this fun, family-friendly, slightly woo-woo game into something to be feared. It was almost overnight, the Ouija board became a tool of the devil, and for that reason, a tool of horror, a tool of horror and used by horror writers and filmmakers alike. It began popping up up in scarier movies, usually opening a portal or a door to evil. Spirits Spirits from hell bent on ripping apart those they tormented. Outside of the theater, the following years, the Ouija board was denounced by many religious groups, claiming it was Satan's preferred method of communication. In 2001, in Almorado, New Mexico, it was being burned in bonfires, along with copies of Harry Potter and Disney Snow White. Christian religious groups still remain wary of the board, citing scripture denouncing communication with spirits through mediums. It calls the Ouija board far from harmless, and as Recently as 2001, the 700 Club host Pat Robinson declared that demons can reach us through the board. Even within the paranormal community, the Ouija board is still an object of tension. Parker Brothers and later Hasbro um, did acquire the Ouija board license in 1991. How And they still surprisingly sold hundreds of thousands of them, but the reasons why people were buying these boards had shifted from 
a spiritual connection to distant long lost relatives to a novelty item something that was spooky and strange and weird in recent years the ouija board is gaining popularity yet again driven in part by economic uncertainty the ouija board's usefulness as a plot device is hugely popular in paranormal activity in recent years the ouija board has gained popularity yet again which is in part due to economic uncertainty and the board's usefulness as a plot device in movies and books alike it was hugely popular popular in paranormal activity one and two both featuring a ouija board in the, in both featuring a Ouija board. It also popped up in episodes of Breaking Bad, Castle, Rizzoli and Isles, and a few other paranormal TV shows and programs. Hot Topic, a mall favorite of gothy, angsty teens, sells sets of Ouija board bras and underwears for those who wish to communicate the beyond while on the go. There's even an app or so for Ouija boards. Go figure, right? So, I'm sure the real question on everyone's mind is how does the Ouija board work? Ouija boards, according to scientists anyways, are not powered by spirits or demons, disappointingly so, but its potential is quite useful and they are in fact powered by us. Even when we protest that we are not doing it, doing it, we swear. Ouija boards work on a principle known to those studying the mind and psychology for years called the idiometer effect. In 1852, physician and psychiatrist, psychologist, I'm sorry, William Benjamin Carpenter published a report for the Royal Institution of Great Britain examining these automatic muscular movements that take place without conscious will or volition of the individual. So, immediately after the researchers saw the new applications of the idiometer effect in Almost immediately, scientists and researchers noted the applications of the ideometer effect in popular spiritualist pastimes. In 1853, animalistic psychology at Goldsmith University of London. It can generate a very strong impression that the movement that is being caused by something else, some other agency outside of us, but it's not. Other devices such as dowsing rods or even more recently fake bomb detection, Michael Fradley was intrigued by table turning and conducted a series of experiments that proved to him, though not to most spiritualists, that the table's motion was due to the ideometer actions of the participants. The effect is very convincing, says Dr. Chris French, who is a professor in psych of psychology, and it's that 
many of international governments and armed forces work in the similar principle of the unconscious movement. The thing about all of these mechanisms we're talking about, whether we're talking about dowsing rods, Ouija boards, pendulums, these small tables, they're all devices whereby quite a small muscular movement can cause quite a large effect. With Ouija boards, there's also the social aspect and context as well, French notes. Ouija not only does the individual give up some conscious control to participate, but also in a group, no one person can take full credit for the planchette's movement, making it seem like the answers must come from somewhere else. Planchettes in particular are well suited for this tactic task. At first, they used to be constructed out of lightweight wood or wooden board and then fitted with small casters to help them move more smoothly and freely. However, now they're usually plastic and have felt on the bottom, which also help them move easily. Researchers at the University of the British Columbia Visual Cognition Lab think that the boards may be a good way to examine how the mind processes information on various levels. The idea that the mind has multiple levels of information processing is by no means a new concept, although what to call these levels still remain up for debate. Conscious, unconscious, subconscious, some call them pre-conscious, zombie mind are all terms that have been used. Moreover, in most situations, there is an expectation or a suggestion that the board is somehow mystical or magical in its own right. Once the idea has been implanted, there is a readiness for such things to happen. But, however, if the Ouija boards don't give us answers from beyond the veil, what can they tell us? How can they help us for this level of consciousness? Like automatic thoughts that happen, like the urge for you to blink your eyes. That's an unconscious thought. Um, or like, you know, your deeper unknown psyche. So, basically, as this podcast is getting long and there's so much information um so basically dr ron resnick who is a professor of psychology and computer science decided to conduct a research he began looking at exactly what happens when people sit down to use the ouija board and Fell says that they got the idea after he had hosted a Halloween party with a fortune-telling theme and found himself explaining to several foreign students who had never really seen the Ouija board how it works. They kept they kept asking where to put <laughs> where to put the batteries and which made Fell's laugh. After offering up more Halloween friendly mystical explanation leaving out the or effect of course he left the students to play with the board on their own when he came back hours later they were still at it although by now much more freaked out a few days later 
Fell said he and a few others began talking about what is actually going on with the Ouija board. So the team thought that the board could offer a really unique way to examine the unconscious knowledge and to, de- and to determine whether the idiomura action could also express what the unconscious knows. According to Rensick, it was one of those things we thought it probably won't work, but if it did, it would be totally cool. So for the purpose of this podcast and for clarity, when I refer to the conscious mind, that is those thoughts you are aware of. So basically, you know, you thinking, okay, I'm going to listen to this podcast today. That's what I mean by conscious. And the unconscious will be something like, in their initial experiments, Their initial experiments involved the Ouija board playing robot, where participants were told that they were playing with another person via via teleconferencing. In reality, it was a robot. The robot's movements simply amplified those of the participants, and the person in the other room was just a ruse, a way to get the participant to think that they weren't totally in control. Participants were asked a series of yes or no fact-based questions and were expected to use the Ouija board to get the answer. How what the team found simply surprised them. When participants were asked verbally to guess the answers to the best of their ability, they were only correct about 50% of the time, which is a typical result for guessing. However, when they answered using the Ouija board, believing that the answers were coming from someplace else, they were oddly correct almost 65% of the time. It was honestly quite dramatic how much better they did on the questions when using the Ouija board than if they just guessed and answered on their own. Could something so little, or at least seemingly so, make such a dramatic effect? The team continued to conduct further variations of this experiment, and their experiments show that the Ouija board could be a very useful tool in rigorously investigating the unconscious thought process. So now that we have so now that we have some hypothesis in terms of what's going on. When using the Ouija board, accessing the knowledge and cognitive abilities that you don't have consciousness aware of, it would be the Ouija board, it would be an instrument to actually get to and unlock that knowledge, according to Fels, who is one of the scientists on Resnick's team. Now we can start using it to ask other types of questions. And by that, the scientists mean types of questions that include how much and to what the unconscious mind knows, how fast can it learn, how fast can it remember, and even how it amuses itself, if it even does that. This opens up even more areas of explanation. For example, let's just say there are two or more systems of information processing which is more impacted by the neurodegenerative disease such as 
Alzheimer's. If it impacted the unconscious mind earlier, Rensick hypothesizes indications of the illness could show up in Ouija board manipulation even before being detected in conscious thought. In the second study, using the Ouija board as a tool, in a second study using, so currently their experiments have paused as they try to raise more money to cover the, cover the experiment costs. Even if they don't succeed in raising the funds they need to continue their research, I believe the team has already proved the early, early claims of Ouija board's advertisement a board that offers a link between the known and unknown. Whether you believe that unknown is spirits or the unconscious human psyche, that is up to you to decide. Alright everyone, this was a long one. However, I just want to thank you so much for listening to my podcast today. If you enjoyed this content and these topics, please feel free let me know I'll have a corresponding Instagram post on my Instagram at tarot underscore closet underscore reflections. There you can comment. And the question for this podcast is, have you ever played with a Ouija board? Do you want to play with a Ouija board? What are your experiences with playing with Ouija boards? Please tell me because I'm so intrigued. While I myself has have never played with a Ouija board because... I grew up in a strict Catholic home, and I was told from an early age that bringing in a Ouija board is basically a portal to hell. Um, you know, I am fascinated, I am intrigued, and, you know, I hope to at least one day, when I move out my parents' house, um, maybe have a Ouija board of my own and play with it, and, you know get a little spooky so as i mentioned this podcast is a part of this month's series called into the shadow where i take a look at shadow work and other spooky things to get us into the spooky spirit um and if you really have any suggestions or topics that you might want to see me talk about on this podcast definitely let me know in the comments on Instagram. Also, don't forget if you are listening on Stitcher, Google Podcast, yeah, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and Spotify, be sure to like my podcast. Give it a thumbs up. I think on Stitcher, give it five stars. So that way it tells the mystical, magical algorithm that other people would like my podcast too. And Feel free to share it with your friends and let them know that there is an interesting and safe place for them to hang out, even if they are in the tarot closet like I am. So with that, I want to wish you all a wonderful day and a happy rest of your week. Stay spooky. At the moment, researchers are still conducting more experiments and finding answers in a second study using the Ouija board as a tool. However, 
Unfortunately, they are running up against a problem of funding. The classic funding agencies don't want to be associated with this sort of science because it is a bit too out there, according to Rensick. All the work they've done to date has been volunteer-based, with Rensick himself paying to get paying to cover some of the experiment costs.